It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Welcome, everybody, back to the Believe in NXT podcast. I'm your host, Jacob and Lawrence. On the other side is my tag team partner, Mr. Cedric Welton. And it's, it's been a while from us, so we'll just start the show off by saying we're sorry. Sorry we were gone so long. We're sorry we left you. We're, we're here. We're, we're back on a regular, kind of, sort of, consistent basis. But I have no fear. It's some day of the week. I don't even know when this podcast is dropping. At this point, like... You guys catch us when you catch us, okay? That, that's just how it is. We're that family member that you only see during certain part, times of the year, and then you have to struggle and go find them to make sure you see them. Yeah, that, that's us right now. But have no fear. Podcast champs are still here. If Finn Balor can take two months off and drink food through a strong, keep his title, then damn it, we can take some time off and keep our podcast tag team belts too. That being said, Mr. Watson, how you doing today? I'm doing great. And you're, you're right about one thing. It's been a minute. We've been gone since the last time you heard our voices. You know, there there have been some, some heralded sports moments, uh, a plethora of versus battles that you may have seen either one of us tweet about online. And one thing's for sure, there's been a lot of wrestling, but are we sorry? Ah, I, I, as, a, as, a, as a tag team champion, I'm not going to apologize. Unquestioned, reigning, defending podcast tag team champions. Have podcasts, will travel. There is a large catalog for you to listen to. And there are a plethora of tweets that we're going to get off regardless. So you've seen the takes, but now you're getting them in one tiny little spot to listen to all of them. And you'll enjoy that. But we don't apologize. We're not apologize for nothing. Come in here. Try to be nice. Try to be polite. Let our listeners know that you know you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher. Have podcasts will travel because, hey, I understand after about a month or so, you may not unsubscribe from us. It's all good. Hit the subscribe button. Make sure you download the episode now. That way when we talk to Believe, you can say, hey, see, everybody's still here. That being said, I try to be polite, come humble, and here you come throwing humility right through the barbershop window as if it was Marty Gennetti. You do not believe in humility on, on this podcast. <laughs> I, I see that. I, I missed a memo there. I'm so sorry, sir. I'm so, so sorry. But since we back, tell the good people what we're talking about today. Uh, do you like war? Do you like violence? Because Considering it's 2020, I would actually say no to both of those things, but I know where you're headed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in 2020, the only thing I would like is normalcy, and I don't even know what that is anymore. <laughs> right, and and the most abnormal year of all seems like we get more and more wrestling content than we have any other year. To be honest, like the wrestling industry is actually thriving. Yeah, we're right in the middle of another wrestling boom. And you know how they say there's no off season and pro no off season in pro wrestling? 
uh, a certain company that we happen to cover every week on this here network and this here show did not take the ball and go home. That is not a shot at any company. I completely understand, you know, putting the safety of your performance first. 100% agree with you. But let that just be said that, um, like the rest of the sports and everywhere else, we've been here all pandemic. Yep. And just, just so you know, the pandemic is actually still going. It's still the thing for, for some of you guys that prescribe to media, government. It's a, yeah, it's still a thing. Yeah, like um, we, we still jumping over here. Mm-hmm. Case is just going through the roof. So yeah, we're 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 still here, guys. Still here. Still in the pandemic. Stay as at home. If you got to go out, wear a mask. Be smart. Social distance. And to piggyback off the wrestling is thriving take, and this will be something we'll talk to. Well, I'd say we'll talk to it at another time. This this is we're actually entering a new year where. Wrestling is going to look way different. And dare I say, the Wednesday brand that we cover is in trouble. We already <laughs> talked about the ratings before, but, but this little, these little partnerships that the people across the street got going on right now, <laughs> that could lead to big problems when you're talking about ratings. Man, I thought you was going to say, ain't no 61-year-old going to put no fear in my heart and put me out of business. <laughs> I had his ass up like I bought his ass up 20 years ago. Hey. hey. I'm just saying. Now, the two kids on the block deciding to, you know, come together, you might make some noise there. I kind of like what that is. It's different. It's definitely different. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely not American. Like, you used to seeing... Uh, Ring of Honor and a New Japan, not um, two major American companies. I'd say number two and number three, second and third biggest American companies. Right, and then I th- I'm pretty sure AEW still has the. Uh, I know they were in talks, or I believe they have a partnership with New Japan as well. It's like one of those. Look, we'll give you Moxley, we'll give you Jericho. Hey, okay, that's cool. We'll we'll let uh. We'll let a couple of our stars, you know, cut some promos for Jericho and everything else. And, you know, we'll we'll do it with a New Japan logo in the background. So, you know. But, yeah, it might be something. There might be a partnership. It, you know, we'll see. Only time will tell. I'm interested. But sometimes you just have to make friends and partners in this industry. Case in point, the women's war games match. Because when I tell you looking at this on paper, one side – Makes sense. The other side, I was like, what in the hell is this? Right. And I think I know exactly what you're saying. I mean, um, the side of your, let's just call them your antagonists. Okay. Like, I mean, you, you, you had Candice LeRae. The Tony Storm thing kind of threw me off. I, I didn't expect that. It's cool, though. And then you had Dakota and uh, Raquel, which are a package deal. Shotzi's team, I feel like they were just backstage just throwing some stuff at a wall. Like, who are we going to bring on to our team? Who makes the most sense? And I think, I think I know why, though. And it has to do with some injuries. I know um, Tegan Knox has been out for a while. And if I'm being honest, if you really want to go, what, months down the road from earlier this year, 
this War Games match probably was supposed to be Team Tegan versus Team Candice. Mm, nah, I think it may have been Shotzi, but yeah. Yeah, so Candice, her side makes sense. Big Mama Cool, Dakota Kai. Tony with the heel turn. And then Candice being the mastermind behind all of it. Cool, makes sense. You don't put Indy Hartwell in there because she's not quite ready for the moment. It perfectly makes sense. You have her on the outside. It, it works. Now, on the other side, <sighs> Shotzi Blackheart makes sense. Shotzi's been creeping up toward being the face of NXT Women's Division. She hosted Halloween Havoc. You know, okay, cool. All right, I'm here for it. Ember Moon just came back. You kind of got to get your feet wet. You've been in a little bit of a tiff with Dakota and Big Mama Cool since she got back. And then Tony turned on you. Makes sense. Now, my issue is the other two in this fucking matchup. Because... Rhea makes sense solely just for Raquel, though. I, I felt like that would... It, that's your... Um... You're Peter and the chicken there. They, they're always just going to fight. Yeah, but you put a bow on that at Halloween Havoc, or at least I thought. You, you, yeah, what it should have been. But I felt like since Rhea took the clean L to, to EO, that that was more likely than not, that you don't got nothing for her to do. In fact, I was actually on the caution thinking that, okay, this is where – Rhea is going to turn on the baby faces. I thought that was a possibility. Yeah, okay, fine. I'll give you Rhea Ripley. Please tell me what the hell Eel Shirai was doing there. Like, how I couldn't tell you the slightest. Like, I'm with you on that one. You are the women's champ. You have been running ramp shot, just rampant all over the division, basically being like, I don't give a damn who you are. See this belt? This belt is mine. I protect what is mine. And you decide to come help Shotzi? Not even be the captain. You are joining her. You let her talk you into this and Sean Gorman you into this. Yeah, like... like It it doesn't make sense because, I mean, if anything, I I thought they, they forced that. The whole... Even the reveal was kind of forced on the go-home show. But it's like, you have your women's champion not in action, and I feel like, oh, we can't have this pay-per-view without Io Shirai. But in my mind, I'm like, yes, you can, because you've had a month without Finn Balor. So you didn't have to force it. There could have been a number of other women that could have stepped up to the plate, especially since Tony Storm uh, turned their backs on the team. But I feel like it was very forced to have – Io Shirai be in this match just just as filler. Yeah. Just Yo, like... You know what's I'm sorry to cut you off. You know what's wild? Um, we do this sometimes but um, I'm looking at the roster on NXT mm-hmm. online and there's some notable things in here like Chelsea Green is back on the NXT page. Did she ever leave? I believe she was because she appeared on SmackDown. Yeah, but did they um, ever pull her off the NXT roster page is the question. Pretty sure she, they did. Mercedes Martinez is back on the page. Mm-hmm. As, as is Vanessa Bourne. 
So that's very telling because last time we saw Chelsea Green, she was in that match for, I believe it was number one contendership, and she got hurt, broke her wrist again. So interesting. Interesting stuff there. There's a lot of people that uh, have been tweening back and forth in NXT, but, and I feel like there's a lot of storylines in NXT is just like scraps in recent months because I just saw Leah's name and I don't remember the last time we saw the Robert Stone brand at all. Oh, yeah, like a few weeks ago, like a random little bit. Just, yeah. Um. So, yeah, back to. And even then, looking at that, it's just like, who who are you putting in instead of EO in this matchup? There was a couple names I had thought just because of the – because Raquel and Dakota were bullying a few people. I guess in hindsight, the Tony Storm thing really messed things up. Because hindsight, I'll be like, all right, you're taking Tony Storm and you're putting Indy Hartwell in on the other side. But I get it. If Indy Hartwell is not ready for that responsibility, then that's why you do this. Also, you just brought back Tony Storm. You got a user. I got an idea. This is going to be a little crazy. Or a lot crazy, really. But you mentioned how Dakota and Raquel were kind of bullying people, right? Right. How about you leave off Rhea Ripley and you leave off Io Shirai? And in that place, you put in Caden Carter and Casey Conazaro. Yeah, I honestly, that does make a lot of sense to me as well. I mean, you shoot the hell out of yourself with star power. Like, there's just no damn star power now. But when you look at the way the match went, was the star power really even noticeable? I mean, there was one spot in this match where I say, all right, star power takes over. But outside of everything else, it was just like, I guess I guess I'm being fickle because the stakes in this match are just like it was literally they took a grudge match between two people and turned it into a war games match, which I know is the the premise of war games and the premise of the main event. But the stakes of Dakota versus sorry not Dakota of Shotzi versus Larray, neither one of those roads leads to the title. Yeah, and actually, they just wrapped up basically all the women's feuds that were going. They're like, all right, we can find a way to kind of just rope all this in. I will say this. This match did slap, though. For a War Games card that I wasn't really invested in, and this, this slander is Cedric here, uh, this, this War Games match is way better than the, than the men's. Ooh. Spoiler alert. A little bit more violent, more weapons. The the trash can spot EO did off the top of the cage is now not only a meme, but it's a t-shirt. Go buy that. Um, great spots. I thought everybody was used to their advantage. I think thought they made Ember Moon look good. I thought they made Tony Storm look strong at certain points. I thought Dakota Kai played the heel role well, and she actually did a lot of heavy lifting as far as just uh, work rate in this match, if you notice that. So kudos to her, and I know she's nursing injury. The best thing about this, 
uh, Jacob Zafak, they finally got something right. And that was the ending. They got it right. Now, we've been on this podcast a lot all year talking about your women's champion <laughs> and how she ain't taken no pins in over a year. She ain't taken the L. took really. the pin. She didn't take – okay, I get it. She ain't taken – she still hasn't taken any singles L's, but she ate the team pin, which speaks volumes. They got it wrong, in my opinion, with, with Rhea Ripley and Raquel Gonzalez at Halloween Havoc. They just made Raquel Gonzalez a star just by letting her pin Io Shirai. If that was part of the plan, well worth it. <sighs> Here's the problem. If the plan was to put Raquel over, put her in a position to challenge EO, why would you have her lose to Rhea Ripley to begin with? Is what I'm trying to figure out. Like a month and a half prior. You really want to know? <sighs> I'm going to regret asking this, but go ahead. Why? <sighs> well, we're in the month of December. Mm-hmm. You know what that means. You know what season we're in. And no, it's not tables, ladders, and chairs. Rear Ripley very well could be your women's Royal Rumble winner. Jesus fucking Christ. No. <laughs> she very, I mean, and if you got to keep somebody looking strong, which is Rhea's eating a lot of pins, would maintain her star power. She has a very strong following of fans online wondering exactly what the hell we're doing with her booking. But you know who's been absent this whole time? Ooh. Charlotte Flair. Yeah. No, no, just <laughs> – I'm just I'm just painting the picture. She's been absent for a long time. You know whose title whose title reign has gotten kind of stale? Asuka. I mean, worse things have happened, and I can easily see that belt going back to Charlotte once she's ready to come back, and then Rhea Ripley being the the baby face to come take that belt from Charlotte her WrestleMania loss of this year. And they'll say, hey, long-term storybooking. I hate you so much right now. It, it makes sense. I'm, I'm sorry to do that. It makes sense because I'm pretty sure you're in my camp that says Bianca Belair has to win the Royal Rumble match. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think you and I both feel like Bianca has to win the, the women's Royal Rumble match. And if Big E don't win the men's Royal Rumble match, then what are we doing? What are we doing? <sighs> All right. So when you said Rhea Ripley is going to win the Rumble, you know what my first thought came to mind was? Didn't she win it this past year? And I remember that Charlotte actually won it, but the way they told the story, it made it seem like Rhea was the one that won it even though she had the belt, seemed like she was chasing Charlotte. Right. She was the one that was like, oh, I want you to challenge me. So, sucks to say, but yeah, that, I feel like that's where they're heading with that, is the fact that 
it's unfinished business with Charlotte. And I think on one of these little um, conference calls that Triple H does at the war games, he was saying he people were asking about Rhea Ripley's journey. He was saying it's all going to come according to plan and things that were supposed to happen got changed because of COVID and other things, but there's definitely a plan there. So you keep Rhea around in this match because she has the star power, but I don't think you have any, I honestly don't know if there's any more plans for her in NXT since she lost to Io Shirai clean, which is why you build up another muscle in the division in, in Gonzalez. I don't like it. I don't no, you don't like it. But I feel like that's what's going to happen. And, to, and I mean, is this is this Io Shirai's fault for being like so damn good that she's no. pushing people out the door? Because who who's she going to lose to? Who? I don't see it. Ain't gonna be Ember. Ain't gonna be Tony. Ain't gonna be. I mean, unless we run something back with Candice, I can see that, but I see her holding this title well into 2021. Yeah. Because when you look at this match, and and this was... Wow, what am I about to say? Was this the best match on the card? I don't want to say it was the best match on the card. It was wildly entertaining, but I'm trying to look at the directions of the eight women in this match. And it's hard to really determine. I just gave you Ripley. I don't know where Shotzi goes from here. Um, she goes into something with Candace and Indy, even though both of them are still kind of hurt, allegedly. Right. The case of Indy. Okay. It looks like Ember and Tony Storm might have something to get off their chest eventually. The two new shiny toys in the division. It seems like the logical thing for me is for Raquel to challenge Io. And Dakota, I think, is now um, nursing an injury. Yeah. This match just didn't have it. It just didn't feel like it had enough stakes to me. Dope, dope performance, dope match, but it just didn't have enough stakes to me. And I'm going to say it again. I think I said it on this podcast before, but um, what the hell is the name of her damn move? The Eclipse? Yes. It's pointless as hell. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, the Eclipse is one of the most pointless finishers in the entire company. So didn't she do an Eclipse on to Dakota Kai on chairs, but didn't she take the bump on the chairs? No, she cleared the chair. Did she clear the chairs? I thought she she plopped down onto the chairs herself, which would, in common sense, hurt her. I don't know. Maybe I should. I'm gonna I'm start a GoFundMe so for Ember Moon just to do the blockbuster. Just do the blockbuster. I guess, man. I guess. I I guess, but. Is it just me, or did the ending for this match feel kind of flat? Raquel Gonzalez chest choke slam through the middle part of the of the War Games ring through the ladder. Yeah, flat. 
I guess it was flat because you didn't expect that ending. I'll give you that. That, and it just felt like we didn't, like we weren't building up to the end yet. I think people were really on their team. Who, who had the War Games advantage? It was Team Shotzi, Candace, right? Candace had it. Okay, Team Team Candace no, no, had the War Games. Yeah, that's right. The Faces had it in this one. Yeah, the Baby Faces had the advantage. So I guess you're thinking in the whole match, since since you have the bullies with Raquel Gonzalez and company, you have Candice LeRae who has a heater with – Indy Harwell, you expect the babyface to overcome that. And I think that's what people were really waiting for, especially when you have Io Shirai in this match, who is this huge wild card because she's the world champion. I think people really expected, like, them to come out on top. And then when you, when you have somebody win the match, I think the last person you expect to get the pinfall is Raquel Gonzalez. Cause the way, cause just because of the way they treated her in the past month. She was a big deal, and then then she wasn't. So I think that's why it fell flat. Yeah, yeah, that's actually that's exactly why it fell flat to me. Like there was just no crescendo, and it was just like, oh, cool, okay, great. Like it works, made her look good. It should work out for her. But yeah, it is. Yes. What Better is. days for Raquel Gonzalez. After you take the L to Rhea Ripley, but you go and beat up Boa so bad that he's doing – I don't know what the hell you want to call that, like what he's doing now. <laughs> but, but it can't be good for his wrestling career. So either way, Gonzalez is probably the next in line to challenge Io Shirai as Team Candice picked up a W and makes Candice LeRae look stronger as his evil mastermind. Yeah, and hey, it gives its legs. Now she's hurt. She could play with it. You go Tony Storm and Ramon. Everything branches off where it should, except for, well, no, Shotzi can still be terrorized by Candace. So, yeah, everything breaks off like it should be. So, we're good. Yeah, I thought it was great booking. Great booking, good violence in this match, and the right person to win the match won. I mean, let's just put it this way. War Games was done with more common sense than Survivor Series. <laughs> Is that fair? Very fair. Okay. That's, more more common sense was done in that match. Um, speaking of common sense, Timothy Thatcher, Tommaso Ciampa, you know it's going to be hard-hitting. You know it's going to be a bludgeoning in this entire match. What I don't know or what I didn't know going into this match is like, what benefit is it? Chopper really came back from getting his ass handed to him by Karrion Cross to being a heel one week after beating up Jake Atlas, and now he's the get off my lawn guy. He's he's literally, oh, I'm gonna scan the vision and just pick random fights of people. He's he's like 2014, 2015 Bray Wyatt, where. He's picking random feuds and I guess trying to clean up the division based on people who feel privileged to be there. Did you like this match at least? Because I felt like it was for a regular match on a theme card like this, it was very physical. It, it was hard hitting and I loved every second of it. 
I just, I don't know if it was commentary or if Ciampa and Thatcher just didn't hit that next level, but I felt like something was missing. Like they could have gave us a better match. Maybe they were saving it because it looks like the story's continuing. And again, this is another match that kind of just felt like the ending was just like snatched out of nowhere. I didn't like the ending. I didn't like the ending at all. The ending felt very flat, like the the guillotine choke out. And it's like if doesn't that make Thatcher look like weak by default? If he's this this super grappling wrestler, knows all the submissions and he's getting choked out and or tapped or 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 like getting clean pinned like that. Yeah. But I guess you can use the argument of when people used to beat Kurt Angle at wrestling. It's like you got lucky, you got on one good time. It's just, you're right about the feud continuing because it seems like it is. But I just feel like ever since Thatcher took out Riddle in the Lion's Den cage, they've had no direction for him. And he's just treading water now. Yeah, well, they got the direction of Thatcher's can wrestling. It's just, it works. It's a gimmick. It works. It has legs. It's just, I feel like Thatcher is one of those people who COVID really screwed with what they had planned. Because I don't think we were supposed to see Thatcher in NXT. I think they were going to send his ass across the pond. You think you can cook in UK? That's right up his alley. That style. You send him over across the pond, you reunite the original Imperial. I like that. That can that can actually work. Why not just send, well, why not just unite him with um Imperium now? Well, not Imperium now, but uh, Bartel and Eichner. Eichner. Well, if you do it here, you <laughs> do it now. It feels like like you're not giving him a character. Like it's Imperium, but it's not Imperium because you don't have Walter. Because at least if you send him to UK, you put him back with Walter, and then you can kind of play like, oh, Wolf, you're just the new kid here. Like I've been here. It kind of gives you something to play around with, and also it gives you Wolf and Thatcher as possible NXT UK tag team champs. You got a few <laughs> more options. Yeah. Because they still got to give us that that match. I mean, I'm happy that we actually got a War Games card, but that's the War Games we wanted. We wanted Imperium UE in War Games. Exactly. And let them just beat the bloody hell out of each other. Yeah, things like all these parties are going to move on at some point. Nah, I think we're going to get it before everybody moves on. I, I have, I have a take for you. I'm not going to give it to you yet, but there's, there's something that I really see happening here, <laughs> in the near future. 
Ciampa defeated Thatcher. Seems like the feud is actually still carrying on. We'll talk about that in the second half here. We got your favorite, Cameron Grimes. I mean, your boy. Taking on Dexter Loomis, who they built Dexter Loomis as like an inherent threat in the past month. Like everybody fears Loomis. The stare. And you know what? I think, I think, I don't know. We haven't talked about this. Dexter Loomis be pulling some shit off, man, that, that I legit pop for. The, the kip up to the elbow drop, that's dope. It's like, it don't look like he got that in his arsenal, but he does it. And I think that uh, speaks to his athleticism and why he's getting this push he is right now. But this was a, a strap match, right? And we don't yeah. see that that often. Cameron Grimes got the leg up, but the, the goal of the match, you have to be tied to your opponent the entire time. Use the strap as a weapon. It just... I know what we're doing with this. These are two mid-card performers who will probably carry NXT into the future. But if Grimes continues to lose to Loomis, does that hurt his character? Or, like, what, what's the point? Like, it hurts him a little bit, but also he's a type of heel where he could just talk some shit and get himself right out of it. Like, he opens his mouth and you forget completely what happened prior to him opening his mouth 10 seconds ago. Who's like that on the main roster? There's somebody that's just like him doing the exact same thing, just picking up L after L after L, but he's like featured. Is it Corbin? Corbin? Corbin. Wow, yeah, you're right. He's like another Corbin, high profile. You respect him enough in the match that he's going to take take some lumps but get over on the other guy, but he'll he's going to lose ultimately. That's crazy. Wow. I just had an epiphany. Cameron Grimes is actually going to have a long career in WWE. Wow. I mean, the man can go in the ring, say what you want about the character, but he can wrestle. Sometimes. Sometimes. he He's growing on me. He's growing on me. It's not... It's actually good in-ring in work. It's not just the same spot fest with him. And I thought this was actually a good, good match that showcased both of their talents. It's why they were featured on the TakeOver card. I, I like how Grimes can come off as the scary heel. I love the match at Halloween Havoc. I thought it was well done. And I like how he just tries to get over just a little bit. Like he used a blindfold in this match so he didn't have to look at Loomis's face. Those little things show me that Cameron Grimes gets it. And if there was an audience present, then he he'd probably win the fans over, just just by being the guy that everybody wants to see get beat up. Yeah, that's it. Basically, it's like, hey, you're the one that everybody wants to punch in the face, which is perfectly cool. But. I hope this is done. Like, honestly, I don't need to see this anymore. Done with it. Well, it's like, I don't know where either guy goes. I don't think, I don't feel like, I feel like either, both of them are far away from North American title picture. Neither is world title ready yet. So it's, what do you do with them? Put them in mid-car fuse, but keep them away from each other. <laughs> And a lot of people didn't feel like Loomis would be able to keep up in this match too, just as a performer. So he definitely showed that he could. 
which we're, I'm giving Grimes way too much credit today. So he actually was able to bring out this man's heat. Damn it, Cedric. Cameron Grimes has done wonders for the Dexter Loomis character. Yes, this is very true. Grimes has been the perfect dance partner this whole way through. He has, he has made this man be able to actually have uh, not only a relevant, but a defined character in NXT. Dexter Loomis owes that to Cameron Grimes. One day, Cameron Grimes is going to take on Finn again, and then Jacob's <laughs> other prophecy is going to come true about this man being a champion, and I am going to jump off my second floor. <laughs> Cameron Grimes gets all the praise for today. I will say that. Doing a damn good job with his character. He's doing great in the ring, and these losses don't hurt him at all. But like Jacob said, let's give Cameron Grimes another dance partner. I think we've seen, we've seen Loomis extensively. Haven't seen Bronson Reed in a while. Yeah, haven't seen Bam Bam Reed in a while. Haven't seen a few people in a while, really. Yeah, it's been, been might be some stuff going on there. Either way. Grimes is probably ready for the main event if they wanted to do that with him right now. That's on wax. I said it. <laughs> it's okay, man. It's okay. Yeah, it hurts. It hurts. Speaking of main event, we had the co-main event in the form of Johnny White Shoes Gargano, Damian Priest, and your North American champion, V1, the only proud representative and leader of the Black Jobber Elite, Leon Ruff. Yes. This was great storytelling until the end. You had the whole priest being like, hey, just stay out of my way. Let me handle my business. Let me get my belt back. All right, hey, stay out the way. Let me get rid of Johnny, and then me and you can go one-on-one. And Leon Ruff's like, no, nah, I ain't no bitch. I ain't going to go out like this. But, boy, that razor's edge through the barricade. Ooh. I was like, oh, he dead. He dead dead. They did a good job of spacing this match out. Like, there wasn't – there was one point where you saw Johnny and Leon try to team up against Priest, but – there was a lot of one-on-one space in this match, which made me love it. And I think the past few times I've seen Priest and Johnny uh, mix it up, but Priest does a lot of the work rate in these matches, man. Like, he's really the character that's that's selling the offense or selling other people's moves or, or spots. Like, he doesn't get enough credit for this stuff. He really doesn't, because Priest can go in the ring. Like I've been telling people, Damian Breeze can go. You just got to give him the right dance partner to show you that he can go and then give him time. Yeah, that's really all it is. I, I can't even say that Gargano's been the right dance partner, but the man looks like a star. And it looks like he's, it's, it's almost a matter of time before he is the face of this this brand. I mean, I know people were talking about, well, who's his character? And I think he's done a good job of 
kind of fleshing his character out these past few months, kind of being the arrogant baby face, but work rate's phenomenal. Ruff looked great in this match as well. It's just so, ah, my man's a North American champion. Thank God for him. Black job really doing her thing. Does he does does he just look out of place because he's the guy that's really not going to get any offense off though? Would he be better served facing Escobar? And they they did do that in a tag match recently, and he he couldn't even mount any offense on Santos. It's not that he looks out of place. It's just that he's so damn small is the problem. So it makes it really difficult to believe that Leon Ruff can kind of throw hands with Damian Priest. Like, sure, crucifix on Johnny. Him going back and forth with Johnny, very believable. They, they, they let Johnny do the power game against Leon Ruff, which is like, wow. I mean, Leon Ruff's a small man. But Johnny's not that much bigger than him. <laughs> Johnny's got muscles, though. Leon, Leon is skinny buff. Got the skinny buff going on. Johnny got a little swole to him, though. And I mean, they're, I mean, Shane Helms just do choke slams in Attitude Era. So let's let's campaign for Leon Ruff choke slam. How how do you feel about the? I guess the finishes of this match, just because during during War Games, if you looked at Twitter, people were pissed. People did not like the outcome of this match, and I guess it's just because did you really need to see? Gargano get another title reign, and what does that do for this division? Or, like, why do we need Gargano to be a three-time North American champion? Especially when that second reign was uh, forgettable. Didn't happen. And you know what? Good point. Will he defend it successfully? We got Johnny Banks out here. <laughs> that just processed and hit me and you that, that you know what that's foul that's foul johnny it's banks fair. is foul it is fair 100 percent, but it is also slightly a bit foul wasn't even trying to be disrespectful i mean uh, sasha banks is wildly successful he's having a good title reign now but we saw him try to defend his title against leon ruff and he lost so it just I guess we got to see who the next challenger is going to be. One thing's for sure. What was garbage to me was uh, this continued use of the screen mask characters. And there were so many screen mask characters in attendance that you would have thought they were all just retribution. <laughs> like, that's what it felt like. It felt like it was just a bunch of retribution members in scream mass helping Johnny Gargano. Like I felt like I was watching one of those one of the older Ninja Turtle movies when like the what do you call them? I don't want to say clansmen, that sounds foul. The uh I forget the technical term uh, of sh- of shredders, henchmen. Yeah, the hooded ones, yeah. Yeah. It felt like they just kept coming out and kept charging the ring and it's like Priest is having to fight all of them. Reef uh, Ruff was already out. And then you just get one, for whatever reason, that just gets the upper hand on on Priest. It just felt he, like a bad movie. I think he caught them with a pipe. Yeah, he did. 
He did. And I guess the part where it just got where it really got shadow on is the reveal. I actually didn't hate this. Okay. Elaborate on that. Why didn't you hate this? Because I, I can't, I, I don't remember the last time we saw it, buddy. When he quit. But who did he lose to? They are rough. What, really? Yeah. I, I, I thought I'm it done. was, it wasn't when he lost to Bronson twice? No. I'm double checking it right now. But I'm pretty sure Leon Ruff was one of his last few. Let's see here. While Jacob's looking that up, it was revealed that Austin Theory was under the ghost face mask. And he was saying, it was me all along. Which means if you date it back to Halloween Havoc, then that was Austin Theory who helped Johnny Gargano defeat Damian Priest originally, which does it really make sense? I don't know. But okay, I, I stand corrected. Theory has been on a losing streak since March 11th. It was a dark match, so March 23rd, he lost to Tyler Breeze. Bam Bam Reed beat him the fall. He lost to Tyler Breeze March 23rd, went to the main roster, came back to NXT. Bam Bam Reed got him out of here. Kushida got him out of here. Priest got him out of here. Cole got him out of here. Theory then beat Ruff and then lost to Loomis on the same night. And then the next week, Gargano beat him. And then, yes, he lost to Bam Bam twice. We haven't seen him since October. Right. That's what I figured. So it's been a minute. Yeah, I remember when when he was talking smack and uh, Johnny put him in his place. So, which I guess he's just like, oh, I'm just going to follow the Gargano. What? Why? Okay. When Austin Theory was introduced to this show, you told me that he was getting busy and evolve, that he was a former champion, I believe. Why is he this like proverbial follower? <laughs> you gotta figure something out. You kinda gotta get him on TV, let him get the reps, and you don't wanna just rocket strap him all the way up to the top. So this is the best thing you can do for him. Is it? Because it. his He's first few profile. matches He's been in high profile spots though. True. He's seen. He's definitely seen. But I feel like they tried to introduce him as himself. Just, just Austin Theory, former Evolve champion. And then that died. And he goes and he's in two factions. Gets kicked out of both because of what, what's going on with speaking out movement. They bring him back to NXT. People hate it because they hate seeing him in general. Um, he's on a very noticeable losing streak, which speaks to him having to take his lumps in front of people then they put him away then they bring him back again and nothing's the same people people still don't like you online but you're in another faction and it's like why (laughs) (laughs) well if you're gonna hate him might as well put him with gargano kind of use gargano to deflect some of the heat So while Gargano does not finish championship, which is I think it's going to happen for him to hold it for a while now, pretty much Austin Theory is just going to be taking these L's for for Johnny. Mm, Pretty much. 
man. <laughs> hey, man. Leon Ruffed will become a two-time champion. <laughs> you keep the belt on Johnny. You keep Johnny looking strong. I mean, it's not the worst thing. It ain't the best, but it's not the worst. I guess. I guess. I And we – Johnny now becomes the – well, he was the first two-time North American champion. Now he's the first and only three-time North American champion. And the only reason I can say he has this title is because they trust him with the belt. And do do they want it to have some type of relevance, having a notable name hold the title? Is that why they made this move? That and he's going to make almost anybody better that gets in the ring or in a program with him. Like, Leon Ruff has gotten better. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. He's entertaining. Still figuring out his style. Like, what does he do well? And there's some some high-flying moves in there he does well, and they have to do a better job of, I guess, allowing him to cook to make him reputable. Yeah, it's like he went from jobber to fluke champ to decent threat in the ring. Yeah. I mean, Black Jabber Elite thriving in the second half of 2020. We got a former mid-card champion. We got a we got a, a mainstay on 205 Live with Tahuti or the Adonis, whatever. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shirt I'm going to buy one day. You are all on your own with that one. I don't need this Denzel Dejanay to like switch his gimmick up, start thriving. Either way, I think I agree with you. Gargano is going to make everybody else look more high profile in this division. Fully expected to happen here, and I expect it looks like it will be Kushida who will get the rub next and. That's probably a good thing for Kushida. Yeah, Kushida and them dungarees finna just go to work with Gargano and Austin Theory ass. That's going to lead to a string of matches if they actually do it. Leaves the Cruiserweight division mad thin because I was hoping for Kushida to do that, but we'll see. Main event time. (laughs) Undisputed Era versus the brand or – what do you want to call them? The kings of – they call themselves the kings of wrestling? Uh, it's Pete Dunne and the Temptations. Yeah, that's really what it really – that's really what it does feel like. But Pat McAfee had his team of Pete Dunne and NXT Tag Team Champions Danny Burch and Orny Lurkin taking on Undisputed Era. And they need to put those hoodies up on shop.com. The new Era hoodies is fire, and they slacking. Yeah, they, they got it nice. Camo joints, them is fire. Now, the Heels had the advantage in this one. And I believe we actually started this match with Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunn, didn't we? Yep, you picked right back up. Great storytelling. Kyle brought Pete back, thinking he was going to be some help. Pete said, nah, nigga, fuck you. And then you go into the ladder match to get the – um advantage which Pete Dunn wins. So yeah, it's perfect storytelling. 
And they keep teasing this thing, man. I know the Undisputed Era is strong and they are united like nothing before, but they are constantly pushing Kyle O'Reilly to the front of the group, like the star of the group. And I, and I, and I feel like eventually I'm going to get this, this evolution turn on him where they just like triple power bomb him or something like that. <laughs> and, and it's scaring the hell out of me because I don't want it to happen like that. Either way, what did you think of this match from, from the start? I already told you, I feel like this is – with all the stakes, I feel like they rushed to get here for War Games with the buildup, and this match did not live up to the expectation. I feel like the other – the women's War Games match was better, and I don't, I don't even feel like this was the second best match on the card, if we're being honest. What, what was the second best match on the card then? For me, second best match in the car was probably a toss-up with with um can't believe I'm gonna say this. The North American match or Loomis and Grimes. I think Loomis and Grimes what it didn't do it for me. So I'm gonna go Priest and Ralph and Gargano. Even though the last couple of minutes got a little wonky, I still enjoyed it. Yeah, for, for all the hype around this War Games match and the the build up for like the for and, and I was here for it when we when we revealed Pat McAfee as the one who put the hit out on Cole and all that, I thought it was dope. I thought they were gonna let it cook for a while, that it was gonna lead to some something really beautiful. But the in ring work here didn't live up, the violence didn't live up to anything that I was expecting. And you're right, at times it does feel like it's Pete Dunne and everybody else because Pete Dunne is the is, is high profile, especially with his new look, high profile. Boy, you want to talk about being stuck at home and not having nothing to do. Pete Dunne just shedded all that little baby weight. Yeah. Came back ripped and with the Donald Trump spray tan. It's just – and as far as the match goes, yeah – there could have been a little more violence to it. It's just, especially considering how you have Dunn, Birch, Lorkin, O'Reilly, Fish. Those are four hard hitters right there. And hell, you throw Roddy and his backbreakers in, that makes it just like five. Five out of the eight will probably send you to a Cairo. Mm-hmm. Or Dennis. So it, it could have been a little more physical and violent. But you also got to remember, this is Pete Dunne's maybe fifth, third televised match since March. Mm -hmm. You also have Pat McAfee, who, for his greatest Pat looks, because he delivered a beautiful swanton and a beautiful moonsault. This is still like Pat McAfee's second match. I got the best swanton in the company right now. Dog, yes, I am I feel, being disrespectful. Dog, I feel like Pat watched some old Jeff Hardy videos. Like, I think he may have watched Jeff from like 96 on. It was just like, oh, okay. Okay, I, I can do this shit better. Like, the man goes full man. starfish and floats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but even even with that, it felt like it felt like I was just, okay, what is Pat going to do now? Like he he exceeded all my expectations in the first match. What is Pat going to do? That's what we're. That's what I was waiting for the whole match. What's Pat going to do? And 
for the hard hitting attitude of a Pete Dunn, a Lorcan and Birch, and even the guys in the Undisputed Era side, it seemed like this didn't need to take place in a war games match setting. There was no big spots or high flying, anything like that compared to last year's war games where you had the big spot with Ciampa putting Cole through, um, through the table from the top of the cage. There was nothing like that in this entire match, which made it feel kind of flat. Like for the animosity between both of these teams, it felt like it really, it feels very unfinished. That's how I'll say feels like it's very incomplete. Yeah. I know you made the reference to Peter and the chicken earlier with um, Rhea and Raquel. Cole and Pat are going to be Peter and the chicken. That's fair. And I'm not mad at it, to be honest with you. There's worse things. If you could find a way to keep it fresh if it's just like Pat McAfee's just like, I can't take this. I got enough money and enough friends and resources and people that don't like you. Where Pat can keep coming back with a unique angle. I'm here for it. You're right. And as far as the money and resources, we know it's going to be in a matter of months, you're going to have Ridge Holland back, and that's going to be another layer to this. In like a year, he'll get Ridge Holland back. You think You think it's that bad? He blew his whole knee out. Oh, I just figured because people healing like Wolverine out here across, you know. It was his whole knee and his ankle on opposite legs. Oh, yeah, you're right. I... Did Undisputed Era need to win this match, really? I'm going there. I'm going there. They didn't need to win this match. Yes and no. They needed to win it, or more so, they yeah, they needed to win it, and Kyle O'Reilly needed to look strong, which is why he picked up the pin, because it led into Wednesday's episode. But also, truth be told, the Eras kind of spent most of the year getting their ass kicked. True. That's fair. And you doing the whole flip-flop will turn them baby face. Like, they, they, they needed one. Throw them a bone. They succeeded in that, too. Turning these guys baby face with no fans deserves a lot of praise. Here's the thing, though. That shit will go out the window as soon as Adam Cole picks up a mic and starts talking, and Pat McAfee is not the, uh, the object of his frustration. Which is why you got to clap it up for Pat McAfee. And that's why I'll say I felt like for all this past month of building up Pat McAfee's uh, group here and making Pete Dunne look like a complete badass, and you also have the tag team champions, that's why they should have won the match. This entire match, Jacob, I was thinking to myself, I was like, damn, this is the United, this is Undisputed Era swan song right here. They're about to lose to Pat McAfee and company. And dare I say, <coughs> at TLC or whenever, you're going to have Adam Cole and company jump Drew McIntyre just like they did a few years ago and just set that off. I wasn't thinking it was their swan song, but I was like, there are a few spots where I was like, oh, they're going to let Pat and them walk out with a dove. And this is going to continue. I'm kind of interested in it. And that's why I feel, I feel like I'm 
for a patent crew, I'm like, well, shouldn't it continue? You built them up and you don't technically need Pat on TV every single week. He has a bunch of other obligations, but to keep Pete Dunn having the relationship with the tag team champions, because those guys aren't really going to be able to do great promo work. And Pete Dunn is apparently the guy that doesn't talk now. <laughs> you have to, I mean, I feel like they needed to win a lot more to Undisputed Era. But I get it. Undisputed Era is traditionally, they're traditionally not good in War Games matches. I think they're just 500 now, two and two. Um, let's see. I believe so. Because they My beat Sanity and Roddy and the Raiders. And they lost the next two. Lost like they lost Ricochet. Who was it, Ricochet and uh... – like Pete Dunn was on that team and lost last year's. Yep, they beat Sanity and it was ALP and Roddy. And then they lost to Pete Dunn, Ricochet, War Raiders. And then they lost to Team Ciampa last year. And then they won this year. Yeah, they're two and two. So I get why you allow them to win, but at the same time, there was more to gain from making. Pat McAfee and company really look like they owned NXT. But maybe there's a bigger plan here. Cause like you said, if this is like the, the Peter and chicken thing all again, then all it's going to take is a couple months down the road. And here comes Pat again, trying to, trying to get his win over Adam Cole. But speaking of, I guess, allowing guys to cook, I think you're right with trying to get this thing kicked off with Pete Dunn, Kyle O'Reilly. We now see them butting heads, not only in war games, but butting heads again for the right of Finn Balor. Do you, do you think that's a good move to make sure to make O'Reilly like the strong point of Unshooted Era now? Because he ah, can't really cut a promo. Don't really believe him. He can. It's just a different style of promo. It's like a uh, it's like a step below Matt Riddle type of promo. Yeah, step above. Wow. You think <laughs> that's tough. I would disagree here. I feel like they're writing for Matt Riddle a lot on main roster and it's coming off very, very trash. Yeah, it definitely is. It's coming off like super cringe. All in all, that's your War Games recap. I would give this pay-per-view like a solid B-. And takeovers usually deliver. But for that to be the last takeover of 2020, I kind of need it more. And maybe I'm spoiled because I I would want to see more stakes and two titles were actually not involved in this, which maybe weighs into that a little bit. But I thought they could have done better. Yeah, it I give it a B B plus. Like we could have done better, but I feel like you did the best that you could with what you had. I feel like they have a lot though, and I feel like they're for certain people they're just not using them for one reason or another. 
I mean, it's war, circumstance. It, it's war games. You try to wrap a bunch of things up or try to tie a bunch of things into the war games match. Luckily, this year you had a natural-ish type deal. True, true. Devil's advocate question. Okay. If you want to generate nuclear heat, could Velveteen be a member of Pat McAfee's crew? Mm. Better be glad you don't have actual fans in the building if you do that. They they kind of do. They kind of have actual fans in there. You can't really see them behind the in the little pods. No, no, you know exactly what I mean. <laughs> Which if go ahead. Because who when I tell you the boo birds are gonna be out in full effect, I'm thinking like Cena at one night stand level of boo. <laughs> That's nuclear right there. Like I was just watching that. <laughs> oof, like you put a man that fans are sick of seeing and feel like shouldn't have a job because you know, this, that, or the third. And you put him with Pat McAfee, who nobody really likes. You have Dream just not even really do too much talking, just an occasional yeah, and the Dream says this bit to go with Pat. Nah, they are booing him from here to the Thunderdome at Tropicana, all the way up to Stanford. I think it would help that faction too, with the because right now Pat McAfee's the only one that's able to cut promos. Now, CM Punk came out and said that the entire NXT locker room should be embarrassed that he has picked this up already and is cutting promos better than everybody else. You agree with him? That was mad disrespectful. Yes and no. Like, yeah, you should be a little bothered that Pat McAfee can come in and cut a promo at that level. But on the flip side, Pat McAfee talks for a living. True. He can cut a promo. We've seen him do it on the show. Like, he talks for a living. This is just like if me and you, me or you, were to give a speech somewhere versus somebody who doesn't really public speaking or any speaking of that matter we're going to sound significantly better just because we got the reps so i see where he's coming from it's just i think it comes off worse because it came out of punk's mouth If anybody else says it, I don't think you get quite the same reaction. But because of CM Punk said it, it sounds like he's the bitter ex. Because you can go, oh, okay, Punk, well, if everybody in NXT should be shamed and needs to do better, why don't you come on down and help out? Case in where point. Do, where do we back up the brink truck? 
Because that's literally all it's about. It's about money at this point. We know Punk is too pride, too too proud to to do that. I have to see. Either way, Pat McAfee has made me a believer. And hopefully he's a, a fixture in NXT in 2021. And we keep doing this Adam Cole thing until it's time for Adam Cole to move on. He could be a lifer. Let him be a lifer. He can only be a, well, barring things getting back to normal, which I hope they do soon. They have to get back to establishing NXT as the third brand. Yeah, in order to do that, you need him to be a lifer. No, I agree. I'm I'm with you. But they got to start making – we already missed the boat with Survivor Series because of COVID reasons. But establishing NXT as a third brand, which is why you sent Ember, Tony, and Finn back down there, we got to get back to doing more of that. And there's – we talk about this all day, but there's a lot of people that need to get sent back to NXT. Now, they also – the problem is you can't send back everybody. No. Nah. You can't, but there's a depth of talent that would that would really cook on NXT right now. Like I can I can picture like just really solid string of matches between like Chad Gable and Santos Escobar. Ooh. Yeah, that would probably actually make people watch two oh five live. Cause let's be real, the only reason we I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm in. I'm inundated with so much wrestling that I'm not going to tune in and watch 205 Live. Yeah, I haven't watched 205 Live consistently in years. It's tough. It's tough to keep up with all the wrestling we have to watch, especially when you look at the the place across the street now. Getting getting my man's back, getting Sting back in the fold. That's just another thing to tune into. But yeah. You know, we're not even going to talk about staying what we are going to do. We're going to go ahead and hit the go home for this episode. And then we're going to come back, wrap up this past week's episode, and preview this coming week's episode, too, for you guys. Because, um, and yeah, we'll talk a little little things, what's going on across the street. Because it looks like there's a new neighbor moving into the house with him. And it's not a 61 year old. Oh, yeah, you're right. That part. Yeah, so this has been uh, Believe in NXT. You know, we had to come through, recap, take over. Just to let you guys know, we're not gone yet. We're still here. Still here. Still got the belts. We're still here. Still your podcast tag team champs, and we ain't going nowhere. So get used to us. We're back, baby. And the titles will remain firmly strapped around our waist. Yeah, ain't no Leon Roth around here, Pimpin'. Nah, no slides. Nope. Ain't no Leon Roth around here. So until we come back later this week and hit you with that episode, please make sure that you like, share, subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, tune in. 
Have Podcast Will Travel. Make sure you follow us on Twitter. I am at underscore Jdella. Said is at said underscore says that is C E double D underscore S A Y S. Don't forget to follow the show at Believe in NXT. Just like the podcast title, nice and simple for you. And last but not least, don't forget to follow the folks over at the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. It is at Believe Podcast. Believe is spelled B L E A V podcast, all one word, but S only in the podcast. Now, before we get out of here, Mr. Watson, you got anything else for the nice people? No, I'm great. Nice, simple, and easy. So until we come back later, we're out. <laughs>